Hey there, sexy techies. Hey, everybody. Episode 16 coming at you with some pretty bonkers tech news. Oh, bonkers. Yeah. Uh, that's what the cool kids are saying these days. Uh, oh, I don't know if you <laughs> are the judge of that. <laughs> uh, so we don't usually do like typical tech news stuff on our podcast. Um, partially, I think, because I'm a techie and I find a lot of that stuff kind of boring uh, oh. when I listen to it on other tech news podcasts, just because like they go into a lot of details that like nobody really needs to know. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to try not to bore people with details, but there's two stories this week that I think people will find interesting. The first one is really just kind of fascinating and it's something that I think people will be excited about. Okay. And the second one is just like ridiculous. Um, it's like something out of a movie and it'll probably turn into a movie eventually. Oh, oh, okay. Who, what do I want to? We're going to start with, uh. The first one that I oh, mentioned. Oh, I don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I almost gave you a choice, but I decided, no, no, no. I wanted them to go in this order. What are you, the producer? <laughs> <laughs> this is my segment. <laughs> so the first one, some major news out of Apple uh, this past week. And it has to do with those blue and green bubbles oh, that you see in your text bubbles. messages. Yes. Yeah, so, because I'm an iPhone user. Yeah, so you're not. That's right. So I was gonna get to that. So May is an iPhone user, and you always have like you've never owned an Android, right? No, I went straight from BlackBerry to iPhone. Okay, yeah, and I've only ever owned Android smartphones. I've never owned an iPhone. Um, so you're gonna get two sides here. Um, th- this isn't like a Apple versus Android uh, war here. We'll do that maybe some other episode. Um, although there's a little bit of You'll, you might sense a little bit of it in my voice as yeah. I describe some of this. No, I already know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> so why don't you explain to me and the listeners, because I don't have these blue and green bubbles on my side. Right. So tell me a little bit about them. So when you are texting from an iPhone and you are texting other iPhone users or just another iPhone user, you get blue bubbles because that indicates that you are using iMessenger or iMessage. Yep, iMessage. Um, and that you are capable of um, sending safe texts to each other, safe encrypted texts, and that you can send media and reactions. And there's just like this whole world of texting um, that iMessage creates. Now, when you have a non-iPhone user or a non-iMessage user in the group chat or that, or if you're just texting you know, an Android user from an iPhone, it is a green bubble because um, that indicates to the iPhone user that it might take longer to send media. Um, if you are not connected to, I forget, like your data or your internet, I forget what it is that... Um, it might not send. So you have to be connected in a different way. And that is the difference. Okay. So, and and what happens, like, what are some of the side effects of when you've got these uh, green bubbles? Yeah. So what's really annoying about 
Android users on your group <laughs> chat, is that what you mean? Yeah. Um, is that when somebody sends media, which actually just happened to me today, I put together this really nice video montage of something of the group of friends that we were hanging out with the other night. And um, because apparently my love language is putting together video montages and I sent it in yeah. this group chat and there's one person in there and she's notorious for having a personal droid phone, but she has a work iPhone, I found out later, so I should have sent it to her work phone. Anyway, so it sent it, but it was completely compressed. Um, the Well, so when I see it on my phone, it used to not be this way, but it used to be that everybody got this teeny tiny, like, I don't even know what you would call it yeah low res pixelated super pixelated yeah. like you couldn't even like tell whose faces are whose right it looks like it was taken on a motorola razor phone from 2000 or not even five or whatever yeah not even that like what the very first digital camera that ever came out okay <laughs> um and then so that's one of the annoying things another one is that because iMessage supports reaction mm-hmm. buttons um, you know, if somebody sends an image, um, people can, instead of like responding, I like that, or I love it, they could just hit like the thumbs up or the heart button. Um, and then, you know, everyone would just see like this little heart icon next to the picture. However, if you are in a group chat with a droid user, um, it will show up as so-and-so loved an image. Yeah. I see those. I get those because I don't get the hearts. Okay. I just get the May loved an image or something. So like sometimes if I'm going to, uh, like since I can't mm-hmm. heart something, I'll just write back, Tony liked an image. Yeah, and, yeah. I, that was a running joke. Um, actually, it was in your family's group chat with um, just the women and um, your mom was the only Android user in that group chat. Um, Go mom. And um, no, because <laughs> somebody sent a picture and then ev- and like every text after was so-and-so loved an image, so-and-so loved an image, so-and-so loved an image. And so I just texted back, May thought an image was just okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, and that's just, you know, a small portion of just kind of the annoyance of having, you know, the green user instead of the blue yeah so it's not really about the color of the bubbles right it's just like that's an indicator that your messages aren't going to look the way that they're supposed to right or that you can't send something in in a certain way like you have to you can't use all the features that you should be able to or more so just like the um connectivity so hopefully with this episode i can clear up some of this i don't know misplaced like anger or snark that I sense from some iPhone users out there uh, when they are in a message, a chat conversation with Android users. Cause I always, I see, you know, in the messages, it's like, Oh, there's an Android user on here. Is, isn't there something like that? And so the news that's come out is that Apple has finally agreed to do something uh, that they've resisted doing for years. Um, and I think it's, it's going to have a positive impact for everybody, Android and Apple users alike. Um, with the exception maybe of Apple itself and like the company's bottom line, but we'll talk about that. So they're going to do something about the, what you described as like the kind of the shitty state of text message communications across platforms between Apple and Android devices or yeah, iOS and Android devices. So we're going to do just like a very quick history lesson here on some of the 
basics of like text messaging uh, mm -hmm. protocols. Um, and this is the part I really don't want to get too much in the weeds with because it gets kind of boring. But everyone's heard of SMS, right? It stands for short message service. Um, it's a messaging protocol that was conceptualized in 1984, way back in the 80s, uh, and first used in the 90s, in like the early 90s. So SMS messages are limited to 160 characters, uh, and they have no support for media. So MMS, or Multimedia Messaging Service, uh, was incorporated to handle media communications. Um, that was commercialized in the early 2000s. Um, it's also severely limited in size and encryption. So not great protocols here and very outdated, but it's what has been used uh, for text messages, for sending text messages, basically throughout the history of mobile phones. Mm -hmm. Both SMS and MMS are sent over the mobile carrier network. So not via data, like not via your data plan. Um, and so the mobile carriers impose a strict limitation on the file size. Depending on the carrier, it's somewhere between like one and three megabytes, uh, you know, because they don't want to clog up their network with all this traffic. Um, so they s severely compress these files um, yeah. to make them small enough to fit, or they just have a limitation that says you can't send that file, right? It's too big. Um, are GIFs bigger than that? They can be. So GIFs are also uh, limited. I mean, that's considered media, essentially. So. Okay. Uh, Apple developed iMessage, mm -hmm. in, which launched in 2011, which is a proprietary messaging protocol for Apple devices. And you described some of this, but when an iPhone user sends a text message to an Android user or vice versa, or you have a group of users, you could have even like 20 iPhone users and one Android user, right? Mm -hmm. um, what you'll notice is you'll get those green bubbles for the Android users if you're on an iPhone. Um, and regardless of what side you're on, you'll notice that any photos or videos that you send will be pixelated, uh, will look small, and really just the experience is pretty terrible. Like the quality is degraded. You really can't see what's going on. Is that because it reverts back to MMS? It does. So if an iOS device um, and an Android device are in the same uh, conversation, it can't send via iMessage, right. um, so it resorts to MMS. Okay. And as recently as last year at the 2022 Code Conference, Apple CEO Tim Cook said uh, when asked about this issue of sharing messages, and a user said, um, you know, when I, when I communicate with my mom, I like to be able to show her videos, and she sends me videos, and, you know, the, the quality is terrible. We can't even really, you know, communicate with yeah. each other over yeah. text message. Right. And Tim Cook said, I don't hear our users asking that we put a lot of energy into that. And he said, kind of uh, joke, half jokingly, but not really. He said his suggestion was buy your mom an iPhone, basically. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, That's maybe. marketing. <laughs> so maybe. I mean, it just, it just depends on your stance. So that all changed this past week uh, when Apple announced that it will introduce support for RCS by late 2024. So RCS is the Rich Communication Services, um, a new protocol, sort of like the next generation for sending SMS and MMS messages. And that's not proprietary to Apple. That's like a new way of texting. Yeah, it's like an open protocol. It's not proprietary. Um, Apple is agreeing sort of begrudgingly to sort of take part in this. 
but it will do some things that are kind of long overdue. So it will have support for features like read receipts, um, typing indicators, you know, those little bubbles uh, when someone's mm-hmm. typing, yeah. um, high resolution videos and images and end-to-end encryption. So all the good stuff that's missing uh, right now between Android and iPhone and what you're used to on iMessage, really. Yeah. One drawback is you do need a data plan uh, to send these messages. So you do need to, or you, you need to have access to data. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need Wi-Fi or you need a, a data plan mm-hmm. um, because they can't be sent over a mobile carrier's connection. Um, so if so, SMS and MMS would still be used as like sort of a failsafe in case you didn't have that okay. connection. Then yeah. it would have to send it as you know an MMS file to, okay. to get the. Right. The video through or the image through. Yeah. That's what's helpful for me when I see like green versus blue. Like I, I know that I either have to connect to a Wi-Fi, you know, t- uh, connection in order to send something if I know that it's going to be sent green. Right. So you as an iPhone user can have a green bubble if you don't have a Wi-Fi connection or a data connection. Correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense because... I'm guessing iMessage also needs Wi-Fi, right? To or a, a data connection to be able to send. It's not. It can't be sent via the mobile carrier network. Right. All right. So why hasn't Apple wanted to support RCS in the past? One, I mean, the I think the real reason is lock-in is good for business, right? Like they have this proprietary platform. Um, they know that it helps them gain users because you, there's almost like the status thing to being blue right to having your your bubble be blue and also it helps them not lose users like people don't want to switch to android and be the one person who like you know makes the message conversation bad right and so like why is this changing now like all of a sudden like Mm -hmm. a year after tim cook Mm -hmm. said no way like get your grandma or get to get your mom a uh an iphone well it's really the same reason that apple decided to change from its proprietary lightning cables to USB-C. Mm-hmm. So you oh, know how right. like your iPhone still has a lightning cable, I think, right? Yeah, it's a different charger. Yeah. yeah. So the the newest iPhone devices um, have a USB-C connection, which is the same as all the new Android devices. Right. Um, and new iP- uh, iPads also. Like my iPad has a USB-C connection. So the benefits of USB-C, it's faster, um, both charging and data transfer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But the reason that that that's not the reason that Apple changed, like it had been faster for a while and it was uh, available. Um, Apple made that change because the European Union came up with a new regulation uh, requiring manufacturers to manufacture their new devices with USB-C, mm-hmm. um, arguing that it would reduce electronic waste and save money for consumers. Right. Uh, Apple didn't like it, but they went along with it because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to sell their devices in the EU. Mm-hmm. Same with this uh, change to supporting uh, the RCS for messaging. Um, There's this EU regulation, the Digital Markets and Services Act. It requires that uh, gatekeepers not limit interoperability with other systems for their core services. And so there's, you know, some are making an argument that messaging is a core service. Um, Apple is definitely, you know, considered one of these gatekeepers because they have this platform. Um, Apple is pushing back on the core services right. thing, um, saying like it's not a core service, yeah. um, but they like that is the reason that they've decided to comply with this or that they've decided to adopt this RCS uh, protocol. 
I guess that leads to the question, does this mean the end for the green bubbles on the iPhone? And uh, as far as I can tell, the answer to that question is no. Mm -hmm. So Apple has stated that they're still going to have iMessage on uh, their devices Mm -hmm. and communication between iPhones or Apple devices will be still through iMessage. And what it seems like, and they haven't been uh, fully transparent yet about how this is going to work. Like some people are are speculating, are there going to be two different messaging apps? Uh, one that they that you have to use, you know, that comes preloaded. You have to use that if you're going to be, you know, messaging with Android users or this other that's just still iMessage. Um, I hope it's not that. Um, I hope that it like, it, almost like it right now, it defaults to right. MMS if there's an Android on it. I think it will default to RCS, RCS yeah. if there's an Android on it. And it'll be the same experience um, for an iPhone user either way. Right. So... I mean, I think that's fine. Like, they're still going to have that distinction of the blue and the green bubble. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is just a better experience for everybody. Yeah. Um, it, for Apple users and Android users. And and to me, the the statement that I, that I found most sort of egregious was when Tim Cook said, like, we don't hear our users asking for this. Um, I don't know what users they, he could have been talking to because, like, it seems like it's the biggest complaint of iPhone users that that I've heard is like, oh, every time I'm on a, co- a conversation with an Android user, all of our message. I mean, and it's and it goes both ways. Right. Like the Android users don't like it either. Yeah. Um. So this seems like a good thing. It may not be a good thing for business because, I mean, there was a reason that Apple was opposed to making this change for so long. Yeah. Um. You know, they may end up losing some customers over this because they're like, oh, now I can you know buy a phone that's half as expensive Mm -hmm. and still get the same, uh, you know, still get the same quality experience out of messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, I know people who have left Android and gone to Apple because they didn't want to be that person who Mm. made the the text message, uh, (laughs) you know, conversation poor. Because in the US, uh, iPhone and iOS has a 58% uh, to 42% lead in market share. So a little, you know, the majority of uh, users in the U.S. are on iOS. Um, That's not the same globally. So Android globally has about a 70 percent, has about 70 percent of the market share. But I feel like among our friend group, it's more like 90, 10 or something like that. iPhone to Android. Um, So, I mean, I hear about it a lot, Uh, you know, and I think most a lot of iPhone users are you know, we'll go several conversations with only iPhones and then right. all of a sudden there will be an Android in there yeah. and they'll be like, oh, again. Honestly, that's why I think Tim Cook was saying that it, he doesn't hear it very often because for the most part, people are messaging just fine. But then when it happens, you hear it louder, but it's not necessarily you hear more of it. You just hear a louder complaint because it's not something that they're used to. Yeah, but when it's 58 to 42 percent, I mean, that's not an overwhelming majority. It's still almost half the population has Android devices. I do wonder, like, generally, generationally what that is, though, because or, you know, it might be even like a subset class of, you know, I don't know. Like there could be there could be droid users that like are part of a population that I've like majority iPhone users don't. It could be. I, all I know is that, I mean, this is something that happens to me at least a few times a month yeah. where I'm on a conversation with iPhone users and 
someone will send a video or especially it happens with a group of images too because yeah. if there's a bunch of images it has to degrade the quality more yeah and they're worthless at that point and then you have to you have to switch to whatsapp or you have to switch to yeah some other right. messaging service that will send over wi-fi yeah. And so that the the quality will not degrade. So I think this will be a good thing. Yeah. I also think that maybe he doesn't hear a lot of it because people have figured out like, yeah, different apps like WhatsApp and, you know, Telegram or whatever and can. Um... So you prefer to take him at his word. I prefer to think to take his statement as meaning we don't want to focus on this right now because it's not in our best interest as a business which is fine i mean that makes i mean they're a business they, right. they have the right to do that yeah but uh to say that your your users are not impacted by this um or like there's no frustration around it just seems kind of disingenuous to me hmm. <laughs> that's an opinion <laughs> well can i just say one other thing yeah though? please about so i know that there's also a little bit of like humph around um the fact that there's still the blue and green differentiation. Even I don't though care about that. I mean, I, I have heard the argument, though, that um, some people think that it's still this like elitist culture of iMessage or iPhone users wanting to like still be like, oh, we're the blue, you know, message or we're the blue color. And, yeah, I can see that. Um, but there is still a lot of functionality that iMessage can do that rcs doesn't support like there's little um it's not even just like the reaction thing it's like you can gosh i forget what it's called it's like you can make your message more dynamic by like echoing it when it sends or like sending something with like balloon and confetti um or you can even just like draw a picture or you know send an invisible message those are like all things that you can do not a lot of people utilize it a lot but to know that you have that capability because your messages are coming up as blue lets me know that like I can do that, you mm -hmm. know, in this text chain. But like if it's green, then I know that like, oh, I can't send that dynamic text or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think the good thing is now that the major manufacturers are agreeing to use a common standard, they can build features like that um, right. into this common standard and know that everybody will be able to use them. Yeah. Uh, so you won't have like one uh, player in the space that has, you know, over half of the market share um, sort of refusing to play nice with the others and like say, you know, we're going to develop these features for our users. But because um, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would want your users to have a poor experience with, you know, with other because they are communicating with other users that aren't on their platform. Um, so you're saying like, we're okay with you having a poor experience with those other users because we're optimizing for the experience you have only with, with, with other yeah. users on our, on our platform. Okay, everyone, you're probably wondering why podcasters are always like, hit the subscribe button, means a lot. We'd really appreciate it. So if you don't know, more subscribers means more listeners to the podcast each episode, it's more likely that you're going to download a future episode. Also in the charts, that helps a podcast to grow, to get more listeners, to be presented in front of a, a larger audience. Only about half or even less than half of the people who listen to the podcast each week are subscribed. So hit that subscribe button or that follow button. It will help the podcast to get more attention it will help make sure that we keep giving it the attention that it needs to create a quality podcast that you all will hopefully continue to love. So hit that button. That's all we'll ask. Okay, moving on to the next story. This one 
is not going to be as tense between us uh, as the last one. Uh, I think there was a there was a little bit of uh, a <laughs> some pent up anger between the uh, the two sides here. I'm sorry you felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so this one's related to OpenAI, and if you haven't heard about this story um, at all over the past week, you I don't know either. Our algorithms are just so different, uh, or different. you're living under a rock. Like, have you heard anything about this um, outside of me telling you about what's going on at OpenAI? No, but did you know the Trolls movie just came out? <laughs> no, okay, no, I, I didn't. Um, so, all right, good. So because now tell me about it. <laughs> no, that's that's good because to me it seems like this is all anybody has been talking about for the past four days, and I'm glad to know that that's not necessarily the case. So, OpenAI. Uh, is the company behind ChatGPT. Right. So we discussed ChatGPT in, I think it was episode six of our podcast. Yeah. So the co-founder and CEO of OpenAI mm-hmm. was Sam Altman. Oh, um, yeah. Also the former president of Y Combinator. Right. I know that name. Okay, yeah. So, you know, very um, successful yeah. founder and CEO of OpenAI. OpenAI has sort of really flourished under Sam Altman's leadership. Um well-respected and well-liked by his colleagues. A yeah. very popular CEO. I feel like, did you meet him at, when you were in YC? Um, I ran into him. I He wasn't very involved. Oh. Um, I think he was already sort of moving on oh. uh, when I was there. Okay. Um, but he was still there. So the board of OpenAI announced on Friday afternoon that they had fired Sam Altman. The board fired Sam Altman? Yeah, just out of the blue. There was an announcement um, and it said... This is part of the announcement. It said, Mr. Altman's departure follows a deliberative review process by the board, which concluded that he was not consistently candid in his communication with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. The board no longer has confidence in his ability to continue leading OpenAI. So he didn't, he kept a secret? Is that that what that means? (laughs) Nobody really knows what it means. So they haven't commented on what it means outside of that post. And that was Friday. Today, we're recording this on Monday. Um, and they have had ample opportunity to, uh, and we'll go through some of this. No reason was given outside of this. So the board consisted of Sam Altman, um, Greg Brockman, who was the president of OpenAI and a co-founder, Ilya Sutskever, uh, I think I'm saying that right, um, and then three non-OpenAI employees mm-hmm. uh, who we're not going to get into because it's too confusing. Mm-hmm. So Ilya and the three non-employees voted to fire Sam and kick Greg off the board. And I think it's very notable, like the way that they did this and like the words that they chose Mm -hmm. in their statement, Mm -hmm. because usually if a board is going to fire a CEO, uh, their statement is going to be, you know, the CEO is leaving to pursue other projects or like spend more time with their family or, you know, something like that. Yeah. All those like cliche. Yeah. Um, Not something like this was a really kind of a nasty um, way to say that he's leaving the company. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was very like, they were like putting blame on him for something, which is not a very like amenable. Yeah. Like, well, and, separation. I agree. And if you're going to do that, you've got to explain what it is because it, it led to a lot of people. Um, you know, at, at first when this happened, it was like, what did Sam do basically? Right. right. It l- loses a lot of trust. Yeah, definitely. And so the board named, Mira Murati, who was the CTO as the interim CEO in that same post. So they 
they named her as the uh, interim CEO. Hmm. Right after that announcement went out, Sam tweeted, I love my time at OpenAI. It was transformative for me personally and hopefully the world a little bit. Most of all, I loved working with such talented people. We'll have more to say about what's next later. Very positive, it sounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, so he was, we found out he was taken aback. Like he was very oh. surprised that this happened. He he didn't know, like he was called into a meeting um, hmm. and didn't know that this was coming. Interesting. So Greg Brockman, who I mentioned was another board member and co-founder and president of OpenAI, he actually resigned in solidarity. So oh, wow. he said, you know, peace out. I'm leaving too. Yeah. Microsoft, who is OpenAI's biggest partner, um, and they've committed to investing at least $13 billion in OpenAI, they didn't even get any advance notice. Like they found out about this thing when we all did, yeah, basically. when this statement came out. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, maybe they were given a minute's notice. Like, wow. hey, we're sending out this statement, by the way. Like, so... Sounds like it happened really fast. Yeah. It, and without uh, much thought is the way it comes across. I'm mm-hmm. sure there was thought put into this huge decision, but like maybe just not the right kind of thought right. or from the right. I, I don't know. Like nobody knows right now what's going on. And so there's, you know, there was a lot of speculation as to the reasons like was this at first it was like, you know, what could this be? It was like, this has to be something pretty big for them to who um, abruptly fire him. Yeah. Do you and, have any speculation? Should we speculate? Uh, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I will share what some of this speculation is now. Okay. Um, after So after the initial like, oh, is there some sort of scandal? Like, is there yeah. some sort of like, you know, did he, was there some sort of malfeasance, right? Like did it was wrongdoing by oh. Sam Altman. Um, the speculation now is, you know, maybe Sam was moving too fast with commercializing ChatGPT than the board was comfortable with. Um, you know, some of the other board members are more in the camp of like, we need to slow this down. There's a lot of, cons- there's a lot of concerns around safety, uh, with right. chat GPT and, yeah. and AI and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Sam maybe was sort of moving ahead too fast with, um, commercializing, getting it out there. Um, I mean, they were, uh, they actually had to pause subscriptions to, uh, chat GPT plus last week just a couple days before this they mm. announced this because they had had way too many subscriptions like too many people signed up and they you know they needed to uh pump the brakes a little bit they said so after this happened i mean the investors microsoft other investors uh employees and the general public uh like if you were on threads at the time that this happened like this was the first big tech event that like you really saw how many people on threads or interested in technology because everybody was posting about this. So the employees of OpenAI called on the board to bring Sam back. Oh, okay. Around the same time, there was news that came out of OpenAI that there was no malfeasance, no wrongdoing of, of any kind on Sam's part. This was really just some sort of disagreement, like mm. some sort of business disagreement. Okay. Well, I'm glad that he got to clear his name that way. Yeah. I mean, it, it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And... It shouldn't have had to have happened. Like there should have been more detail about yeah. this. Like th- that was the in- entirely the wrong way to go about, you know, right. firing someone like this. Yeah. And so Mira Marathi, the interim CEO, she comes out on Team Sam. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's like, basically, I don't want that job. I'm, I'm, I'm with Sam. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So on Sunday, Sam was back at OpenAI. Uh, he actually 
tweeted uh, a picture of him with a <laughs> with a guest like a visitor badge of OpenAI, and he said, uh, "This is the first and last time I'm ever gonna wear one of these." Oh wow! Like, uh, you know, a visitor inside yeah, his own company. Right. So for a moment um, or two on Sunday, it seemed like the board was interested in bringing Sam back. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, was sort of mediating the discussions mm-hmm. between Sam and Greg and then in the, the board. And it seemed like Sam and Greg were open to the idea of returning to OpenAI, but they, and this is all sort of speculation or, or what's come out of news reports, um, they were requiring that the four board members who pushed them out resign oh, um, wow. and accept the appointment of four new board members. They're like, we're not going back to work for you, uh, you know, you clowns <laughs> that just like created this whole spectacle. Wow. Um, so it's like a us versus them thing. Like it's, you can't have all of them. You yeah. Have to choose. Well, I mean, sort of, it's up to the board though at this point, right? right. Like, are they willing to, to accept those terms? And Monday morning news comes out that the board did not bring back Sam Altman. Wow. Instead, they named a new interim CEO because, yeah. you know, Mira is Team Sam. Yeah. She's not, she can't be the interim CEO. And it's a familiar name to the podcast. One, Emmett Shear. Oh, wait. Um, um, Emmett, he, um, uh, Justin TV. Um, Keep going. You're going to get there. Twitch. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Emmett was the co-founder of Justin TV and Twitch um, and longtime CEO of Twitch who just retired um, right. uh, maybe six months ago yeah, or so at this point. That, yeah. yeah. So Emmett is brought on board. He he um, tweets at like 1 a.m. this morning, this sort of like intro tweet uh, and says, you know, part in part of his tweet, he says he's going to hire a firm to conduct an unbiased investigation into this whole situation mm-hmm. and like what happened. So like, we don't even know if Emmett really knows what happened, like why why Sam was forced out of the company. I need like a, a web. I need a, a diagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, so who's he friends with? Well, he's a Y Combinator founder. <laughs> right. And Sam is a Y Combinator yes. founder and the former president of Y. They were right. actually, I think, in Y Combinator at the same time. Right. With their different companies. Yeah. Um, mm. Then later this morning... Uh, you know, after 1 a.m. This is this is coming down to the minute. <laughs> Microsoft announces that they are hiring Sam and Greg oh. and some of their colleagues to lead a new advanced AI research team Whoa. at Microsoft. Sam is going to be CEO of this team. So like he's going, that implies, you know, they are going to be their own segment in Microsoft, like uh-huh. their own section of the company. And, and this is where it just sort of veers off course. Like, so employees... Um, apparently responded to the internal announcement um, on Slack of the hiring of uh, Emmett Shear <laughs> at OpenAI with uh, an FU emoji. Oh, <laughs> so, uh And I mean, they were upset, rightly so, right? Like there were, none of them know why this happened still. Right. Um, they didn't, it, apparently they didn't get any more details than we did. Yeah. And so there's about 750 employees at OpenAI. As of Right now, we're recording this uh, 9 o'clock p.m. on Monday. Nearly all of those 750 employees have signed a letter to the board asking them to bring back Sam and Greg and resign or lose all of them to the new Microsoft project. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Is there a hashtag? I stand with Sam. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there's a hashtag, but like, uh, so Sam tweeted w- one of his tweets um, over the weekend. Like every open AI employee yeah. uh, quote t- tweeted it or yeah. retweeted it with uh-huh. a heart emoji. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so wow. I think that was their version of th- showing their support. Yeah, crazy. So now they're. Uh, this is just a segment from from their letter to the board, which like this is amazing. It says, your actions have made it obvious that you are incapable of overseeing OpenAI. We are unable to work for or with people who lack competence, judgment, and care for our mission and employees. We, the undersigned, may choose to resign from OpenAI and join the newly announced Microsoft subsidiary run by Sam Altman and Greg Brockman. Microsoft has assured us there are positions for all OpenAI employees. We will take this step imminently unless all current board members resign and reinstate Sam Altman and Greg Brockman. Wow. Can you imagine writing that to your board? Like how pissed off must this group of employees be? Can you imagine reading that? Sorry. Oh, being a board member and getting that? I always always like think about people's feelings. (laughs) Yes, but they made their bed. Like, I mean. We think. We don't know. <laughs> well, no, we know this announcement that they put out, and we know that they haven't defended it with any right. concrete reason why they got rid of Sam Altman. Yeah, like, I know. And and th- th- we're not done yet. Like, this is... So, after this... Did something happened five minutes ago? <laughs> probably. Like, there's probably something happened. That's why, by the time that this gets published on Wednesday, uh, I'm. Something it's going to be outdated. I'm sure there'll be <laughs> more stuff that has happened. But, so, Ilya yeah. apologizes on Twitter. Okay. He says he didn't mean to cause any harm to OpenAI. He apologizes for siding with the other board members, and he flips to Team Sam. Whoa. And signs this letter. What? So his he is one of the undersigned in this letter to the board members, to the other three board members. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, really, it was to himself right, and the other right. three board members. So a whole... Okay. So does that then mean he is he is in agreement that he should resign from the board? No, I think he is apologizing and trying to make amends and saying, like, now I'm on Team Sam. So he's trying to gain immunity from resigning if Sam comes back. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think he wants to. He still wants to work at OpenAI. Um, and he's saying he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. We still don't have any any other communication from the board. Uh, we don't. I mentioned this a few times, but we don't know why Sam was fired. This is, like, the most ridiculous story that could, like... Eventually, we're going to have to find out, right? Yeah. Like what happened here. Yeah. Um, the Netflix docuseries will tell us. I hope before that. <laughs> so do you want to hear my like speculation as to what's happening right now? Yes. And this, I mean, this likely will be proven incorrect by, by, <laughs> by tomorrow <the> <laughs> before this episode even airs. Yes, but spill the tea. Spill your tea. So, and this is, you know, not the, re- I'm not speculating as to the reason this happened. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that this whole like Microsoft hiring Sam and Greg thing is a ploy yeah like i don't think i don't really think that sam altman wants to be a microsoft employee Mm. you know it just doesn't seem like even though he would you know have his own division like i don't know that just doesn't seem like something he would want to do Mm. what maybe i think you know what i think may be happening is this was the plan right like hey all right you're not bringing him back we're taking him uh and we're taking all your employees right and then what are you left with right right and and so I, I think this is another um, method of trying to force the board's hand to mm-hmm. resign and, you know, let Sam and Greg yeah. and, you know, all the employees come back right. because really they'll have nothing. Yeah. Like 
Microsoft could legitimately hire these 750 people and basically just do open AI internally at Microsoft. Yeah. And yes, open AI has all this, all this tech and stuff like that, uh, this IP, but like it can be recreated. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my, it's my sort of wonky prediction of how this ends up, you know, maybe Sam ends up going back. This board resigns. They restructure. Uh, they're going to have to restructure OpenAI um, because the board. I, I really don't want to get into the specific, like the unique inner workings of like this board, but like it's a nonprofit board mm-hmm. that oversees a for-profit mm-hmm. company, right? Um, and this is just not the way that boards should work, right? Right? Like boards fire their CEOs all the time. That's right. fine, but like not when they're doing a, a great job for the company yeah. like they're you know they're they're doing what they set out to do right mm-hmm. he, he's going to make his shareholders money um for the for-profit portion it seems right mm-hmm. um i mean they are the leader of the pack like they are head and shoulders above the competitors when it comes to uh agi mm-hmm. and like with chat gpt so it just it just is really mind-boggling yeah yeah, it speaks volumes about an, a company, though, to see all of the employees, you know, backing their leader. I think that's yeah, that's a good I agree. sign. I, I mean, yeah, I think it says a lot about Sam and the culture at OpenAI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see where this goes. Like, there's more to this story. Um, there's probably something else happened while we were recording, um, but I'm interested to see where it goes. Okay, so let's shift to. More like inspiring story. I could use it. Yeah, yeah. Inspire me. Okay. So last month, I heard a pretty inspiring story where a company identified a problem for a specific population and created something so helpful and incredibly inclusive that it really like kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little bit. All right. Let's hear it. Um, so are you familiar with um, Gallaudet University? Uh, I, are they in DC? I, you know, I've, I've heard of them, uh, but I don't really know anything about them. Yeah. So they are a bilingual college that utilizes American Sign Language, ASL and English. So bilingual to ensure the intellectual and professional advancement of deaf and hard of hearing individuals. Okay. So, you know, a lot of, um, students at their school use ASL. And, um, and, but they're run like any other, you know, college, uh, with athletic department and, you know, all different departments. So they noticed in, um, that there was a challenge with their football team and that was communication, um, in, when in coaching. So their coach was quoted saying, you know, we work out the same way as every other college football program. We practice the same way. We compete the same way. The difference between coaching a hearing team compared to a deaf team is first the communication. So during games, you know, when you're a hearing team, your plays are usually called out from the sidelines. And then, you know, the quarterback, I am not that great with sports, but the quarterback, you know, (laughs) does a little chick, a little flea flicker, like call call in the, in the huddle. And then, um, you know, they all clap and then go their separate ways. So, but, because um, Gallaudet University, um, their team primarily communicated using ASL. They played some teams that ended up like stealing plays or, you know, it was it was a little too easy to 
know what their plays were or it was a hindrance for the team on the field to like always have to be looking you know for like the asl um yeah. signs yeah because normally like the quarterback will get the play from the sideline and mm-hmm. then in the huddle he'll explain it to the other players right but you know if if he can't talk to them or, you know, I'm sure the mask is, mm-hmm. you know, hindering their ability to read his lips and that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Or to like even see, cause you know, when you're in a huddle, I've been in a huddle before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You raised your hand. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've been in a huddle. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm short. So, and sometimes I can't like see over the people in the huddle, but I can still hear. And so if you can't see, you know, the ASL the sign language, right. Um, so it could be hard. So what they did, they partnered with AT&T who, jumped at the opportunity um, to use their 5G technology and make the game of football more inclusive. So AT&T partnered with them to design a helmet that allows coaches on the sidelines to essentially like select plays from their tablet and it will send the play to a lens inside the helmet of the quarterback. Um, And then, you know, the quarterback will receive the play in AR, augmented reality, okay. on, on like a digital display um, located like on the visor of, of the helmet. So um, AT&T 5G provides like the reliability and like low latency for plays to be sent and received at a speed that keeps up with the pace of the game. So Very cool. it, it really is a game changer because it's almost like instant that they can get that communication instead of like having to wait for, you know, things to be spelled out or whatever. Yeah. It's awesome. This technology, it, you know, there's this gap for deaf and hard of hearing athletes that this technology is able to kind of like bridge and it really does make football more inclusive. It can also apparently reduce miscommunication and unwarranted penalties, um, according to uh, the organizations. Sense. So, you know, now they're thinking that the application for, you know, 5G connected helmets can reach beyond college football. And, you know, there's it opens a whole bunch of possibilities of inclusion for any sport, really, that requires um, helmets. So I just think it's really cool that like AT&T knew that they had this strength with their like 5G technology and they were able to utilize like, you know, that speed to help um, with Gallaudet's like legacy of breaking down barriers to make this helmet. Yeah, it's a cool application of the technology. I, you know, like the possibilities are endless now. I wonder what the next thing's going to be. All right, I'm excited about this one. It's time for our hot mom of the week. Last time I checked, I'm still real So this content creator, her name is Jessica Kelgren Fozard, and she is a British YouTuber, um, most known for her content on disability awareness, LGBTQIA plus history, and vintage fashion. So she's kind of this mixed bag. Okay, I'm like thinking that processing in my head. Right, you're like, I know, and when you kind of like read it, you're like, well, none of that stuff really goes together, but she does a wonderful job <laughs> just putting it all together out there. And, you know, and I, I we talked about um, the athletes at Gallaudet University and um, how it was a little bit difficult for them as deaf athletes to 
play football, but now, you know, they were able to bridge that gap. So I was just thinking about, you know, who's like a, a cool, like content creator out there that um, is an advocate for the deaf community is deaf herself. And um, I came across Jessica and her content is is really cool. So um, just a little bit about her. So, I, you know, I mentioned she's British. So like she has a really cool accent like <laughs> to start off with. Um, That's like bonus points just like, yeah, yeah before you even yeah. start right there. It doesn't there. even matter who you are. It's like, oh, you're British. Cool. You're cool. So due to several of her disabilities that she has, um, she is deaf and also blind in one eye. And um, she was just recently diagnosed with ADHD. And like in one of her recent posts, this is what kind of um, got me interested in her. Um, She talked about how signing sometimes helps with her stimming relief. Are you familiar with stimming? Mm, No. Okay, so stimming is like this self-stimulation movement, or sometimes it's like a vocal repetition that helps uh, neurodivergent uh, folks self-regulate or self-soothe. Okay. So, you know, sometimes you would see people kind of like if they need like fidget spinners to kind of calm down. Got it. Um, but you, you'll see that like sometimes she, with her ADHD, she, like she'll sign to kind of help uh, self-regulate herself. So her content is really informative and just very matter of fact without sounding condescending. And I don't know, maybe it's because she's British and she has a very soft <laughs> voice. But um, I've heard British people sound condescending. Okay, so. well, she, she doesn't. So um, she's also part of the LGBTQIA plus community, as I had said. And um, she lives in Brighton with her wife, Claudia. And in 2021, they announced that they were pregnant. And that summer, her son, Rupert, was born. And I just love like, that name. I know. Like, <laughs> there's just so much Look, about her. Bring that's back like, Rupert. That's adorable. <laughs> like, yeah. And she and um, so that was in, you know, 2021. So Rupert is about um, two, a little over two years old now. Okay. Um, and um, she had another post where she was talking about how difficult it kind of is when she's traveling to a different country and she it, she kind of looks insensitive when she doesn't understand what the you know locals or the shop you know people in, in the stores and stuff are saying to her and it's not because of you know their accent or she can't understand them it's it's she because she can't hear them right and so now though Rupert helps her by um signing to her and so now she realizes that like oh you know it's not because I can't understand you it's because I'm deaf right oh Um, that's great so Rupert's super helpful and (laughs) I just you know I love seeing her posts pop up um her vintage fashion is amazing I, I just you know she has this this look and um I'm looking at her right now. She looks like she's out of a different era. Yes. Um, yeah. She looks like she's from the 50s or something. I don't know what it, it... Yeah. She just looks very old fashioned. Yes. Part of her content is vintage fashion. So she, you know, dresses the part. And when you actually do like listen to her, her voice is very calming and she really is just so informative. So I think it's really cool that um, she's out there and she exists and feel free to follow her on TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. Her handle is Jessica out of the closet. Love it. Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button. And reach out on social media. Dot coms. And hot moms. Signing off. (laughs) 